Show number 33 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Honey, look at that butt. Oh, Bill. Could you just say that again, please? One more time. Look at that butt. That's a tight butt, honey. That's a young butt, and I've got two of them. (laughs) I don't think he means he actually has two butts, though. Probably two cheeks. Two cheeks. I think that's what he meant there. But he has enough charm and hotness for it. Oh, two people. absolutely. And it is a young butt. Oh, my God. Oh. What a great clip that was. Yes, a remarkable clip. So that is about as close as we've gotten so far to William Shatner saying, look at my butt. But he was talking about his own butt. He was. And he was grabbing his own butt. And he was saying, look at that butt. Look at that what a great butt. butt I have. Oh. So do you want to... Tell people where that came from. That well, first of all, this is a show called Look at His Butt. <laughs> oh, really? Believe oh, it or God, not, I'm believe it or not, and I think this is show thirty-three. It is. Wow, three, three. I hope we're not crucified. That's how old Jesus was, you know, when he was. They nailed him up. Did he have good butt? I don't know. It's a kind of appropriate though because it's Lent now. Okay. Yeah. So it all it kind of works together. So okay. anyway, so. whatever. Um, so that was that was a sound clip from um, a video clip that was very kindly sent to us by one of our listeners who goes by the, the handle Australopithecus. And it was from an episode of Saturday Night Live. And I think it must have been, um, what, like mid-80s? Yeah, I think. And I believe that it's from the same show where Bill does the Get the, a Life Get sketch, a Life thing, really? Which I remember. I remember watching mm-hmm. that show. And I do not remember seeing him jumping around in his underwear going, look at that butt. What a great butt I've gotten. Oh, my God, what a great butt Oh, it's has. so funny. So It's so amazing that this was the subject of a sketch on Saturday Night Live, and we don't remember this. So um, I have the clip, and I'm putting it up at the site, so if you want to watch it, you can. Um, it, it's not that long. It's probably like three or four minutes long. If it's if that. And the whole thing of the sketch is that he plays uh, a guy who is in love with himself, and he's just kind of prancing around in front of the mirror as his, you know, his wife are getting ready for um, a party. It's Nora Dunn playing his wife and talking about how great he looks, which is like just such a perfect character for him. Just going, look at me, look at me, I'm so good. And then I love the part when he kind of looks in the mirror and he goes, don't you ever die. <laughs> Which is also a very Shatner thing. I like when he tells his wife that um, this body is a link to her youngest. Yes. <laughs> I must make you feel so much younger than you are. Because you know what? I'm kind of married to that guy. I mean, he's not in love with himself, but, you know, he works out and he does have a nice butt. and. Uh-huh. Every now and then he'll just, you know, do his muscles and go, feel this, feel this. So I can relate. It's just very, very, very funny. That is so wonderful. So that was great. So thank you so much for sending us that clip. It's wonderful. We're going to be dropping those little clips in, and there's another clip that you'll hear later on in the show that, that we got out of there because it's just so good. It's wonderful. So while we're on the topic of people sending us cool things, yes. we have yet another look at his butt in a different language. This was sent in by Gregory Gray, our man in New Zealand, and this is high German look at his butt. So let me play that right now. Er hat einen knackigen Arsch. Now, what did he say the translation was? That it was like um, crisp, like lettuce or something? Yes. <laughs> so that's look how you say it. Look at his crispy butt. Look at his crispy butt. Wow. That works for me. 
I yeah, I suppose I can I can deal with that. So like when you when you squeeze it like at the the store, you know, a firmer yeah, head of it lettuce feels really is better. Nice and firm. Okay. Yeah. So that's good. So there we go. Another another language checked off the list. Yep. You know what language I want now? Readers, homework alert. Our listeners. I want someone to say it, record it, and and send it to us, saying it in Elvish. <laughs> Wow, I would kind of guess that... Like our, Lord of the Butts. Like, our listening audience could probably do that. They'd probably do it anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. They just haven't gotten around to recording That's it. probably true. Okay, good. Well, I think that's um, that's a really good piece of homework, so I'm hoping that somebody can actually come up with that. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah. And, you know, I really had to concentrate on saying Elvish is a... That's a difficult word, Elvish. Because <laughs> I was afraid I was going to say Elvis. Elvis. <laughs> Look at his butt. That's easy. (laughs) There, we just did it. His butt just left the building. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah, so, oh, thanks for the the high German. That's a great one. That was excellent. I love that. Cool. Um, Speaking of more things that people have sent us, I believe we have a few more entries into the comatose captain list. Yes, and I want you to hold the microphone so I can reach down and get this without knocking things over. Okay, we'll do that. The Comatose Captain List. Okay, this was posted to our homework thread. I was so thrilled to see someone posting this. And this came from a new listener named Ed. And uh, he sent us, and we will put this on the blog, a good resource, um, earthcalendar.net, which lists every holiday in every country. That's awesome. So that's a real help to be able to do that. And here are a couple of suggestions from him, and these are just great. Argentina, which is the 12th of October, has Day of the Races. Okay. Is that a Marx Brothers movie? <laughs> Here's what he says. Um, uh, another source calls it Day of the Americas. He says, I wasn't able to find out what it's about, but it might be to celebrate unity among the races or countries of the Americas. Oh, that kind of races. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking horse racing. Yeah. Dog racing. But he says, I immediately thought of the Marx Brothers movie, Day of the Races. And Ed, so did we. I think the Marx Brothers or the crew dressed up as the Marx <laughs> Brothers running around Kirk in their madcap manner might just do the trick. I think Kirk might have a psychic connection with Harpo with their interest in the ladies. Although in Kirk's case, it is the ladies chasing him instead of the reverse as it is with Harpo. Oh, that's true. You know what else they could do? What? They could prop him up and Harpo could play him. <laughs> That would be great. You know, I, now that I think about it, I think McCoy actually has a little more in common with Harpo, who was always wearing a coat that he would pull all these things out of. And that's fairly McCoy-ish, right? Like, he's always got these little things, and he just kind of, like, pulls them out of nowhere. Look, a salt shaker, Jim. <laughs> there was this wonderful story written by Jin that um, had a special ops character in it, and he was on a mission with some people from the Enterprise. But the funny thing was he just kept pulling out gadgets. <laughs> and people started to wonder because... His uniform had no pockets. Ah. Well, I was like, Where are these things coming from? It was it was great. I really liked it. I can't think of the name of the story or anything. Okay, back to uh, Comatose Captain. There's a holiday on May 21st called Cameroon, oh. which is Sheep Festival Day. Oh. He suggests having George Takei dress up as Little Bo Peep <laughs> might be enough to shake up anyone. I know it would scare the hell out of me. <laughs> Now, I think Sheep Festival, you know, the counting sheep uh-huh. thing might actually put him deeper into the coma. It might. I didn't know they had sheep on Cameroon. I'm surprised that they don't have a Sheep Festival Day in New Zealand. You know, they do have a lot of sheep in New well, Zealand. maybe they maybe do. Maybe they do. Okay. But they're just keeping it to themselves. Right. Here's what they do have in New Zealand, I bet. Hobbit Day. 
on uh, September 22nd, and that's the Tolkien Society. I, I kind of figured that. <laughs> yeah, I love this idea. The Hobbit guy from Boston <laughs> Legal <laughs> in full Hobbit attire, including the big feet, might also be effective. You know what they say about the relationship between the size of a guy's foot and the other parts of our anatomy. <laughs> no, Ed, what do they say? <laughs> I like that there's a Hobbit Day. Hobbit Day. What, did, what day is Hobbit Day? Uh, September 22nd. Wow. Is when Hobbit. the Tolkien Society. Hobbit Day. And maybe the Tolkien Society could, as part of their celebration, say, look at his butt in yeah. Elvish or... Hobbits don't have their own language, do they? They have words in a language, but they don't speak a different language anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, Aren't um, you scared that I know that? <laughs> <laughs> the scary part is that I'm not surprised that you know that. Their language um, goes, you want to hear this? Okay, I'll just tell you. So the language that the hobbits used to speak is related to um, the the language that's spoken in Rohan, you know, the guys on the horses. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. There's a common root there, and, and, you know, historians are not quite sure why that is, but they do have something in common. Maybe the Rohirrim, and Mm, I know that one, could come riding through on Races Day in our Marx Brothers (laughs) Wake Comatose (laughs) Captain. That would be a way to tie it all together. Wouldn't that be something? Well, if they did the... Um, all singing, all dancing, all nude version of the Silmarillion. I bet that would wake him up. <laughs> or maybe they could just have Sauron come in and, and you know, talk to him. Big eye. Big, big eye. <laughs> okay, then Ed sent us some more. This is great. Oh, wow. Canada Day, uh-huh. July 1st. Spock, McCoy, and Scotty dress up as lumberjacks. <laughs> I think Scotty, with his accent and manly demeanor, could do a rousing rendition yes! of the Monty Python Lumberjack oh, song. Oh, that's perfect. I love that. That would be great. So there's a good one. Excellent. Um, a Celtic on March 21st. I think this is pronounced Westra. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uhura, dressed in a Shilana gig costume. Uh-huh. Am I saying that yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and he gives us a reference. Would be doing herself with a vibe. <laughs> Then Spock, McCoy, and Scotty put on sperm costumes and dance and sing to the 1939 hit record, Three Little uh, Fishes. <laughs> Substituting. Fishes, swims, sorry. Swims <laughs> in the mama pitch as swim as you can. And they swim and they swim, swim right over the dam. dam. Okay. Um, <laughs> but they substitute the word fishes with spermies oh. and mama fish with big fish. Oh. That would wake somebody up. That might wake dead people up. You know, they could probably get people to pay to come and see that, and they make so much money. Well, here's listen, he tells us a little more. Sheila Nagigs are female exhibitionist carvings found on walls, abbeys, convents, churches, pillars, and other structures in Ireland, England, Scotland, and Wales, as well as in other parts of Europe. They come in many different shapes and sizes, but all share the same characteristic of a prominent and often enlarged genitals, often held open by the figure's hands. Most date from the Middle Ages. Wow, that's interesting. Well, you know, middle-aged women are <laughs> the, the, the most open and it's true. exciting. It's true. It's true. Because you want somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. Right. Finally, he's pointing out June 11th is Gay Pride Day, and I believe oh. there are several different Gay Pride uh-huh. Days. Um, and he suggests Spock, McCoy, and Scotty dress up as characters <laughs> in the Rocky Horror Show. Oh, I love that. I think McCoy might have the best legs and would be Frank and Furter. They would dance the time warp around the captain. That's perfect. I love that. You know what? Um, as I tell you off off mic, yes. I got a new dresser this week. And yes. so I was having to rearrange and reorganize the way I store my clothes. And I was going through my T-shirts. I own six Star Trek-related <laughs> T-shirts. Does that include the look at his butt shirt? Yes. 
Well, it's Star Trek related. Well, no, I wasn't sure if it was that, like, that in addition to six. No, or... I, all of them. But uh, one of the ones I was looking at as I was refolding it was my Beat Me Up Spock. Beat Me Up Scotty, Scotty. shirt. I love And it's shirt. Spock, you know, all yeah. in the... He's got a real Frankenfurter look on that T-shirt. I love that shirt. That's yeah. a great shirt. We should take a picture of that or, okay. or find an image of it. I, it might be kind of hard to find an image. We might have to actually take a picture of your shirt, your personal shirt. Well, I don't have it with me right well, now, okay. but we'll do that we'll at do some it. point. That would be so, Ed, fantastic job on the homework. That was And as I said, we are going to post the link to that list of all the holidays, which I think will give a big boost yeah. to everybody else who mm-hmm. wants to get their homework into us. That'd be good. Now, didn't Ed send us something else? Some other information about, um, oh, him being on a, a manly fishing oh, show? Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> Was this from Ed or someone else? Uh, this is from Ed. Yes. Okay. Um, it's a Shatner sighting. Remember we said Yay! send us those because yeah. we had that weird one from uh, S- from uh, the Wesley Snipes movie. Oh, right. 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 Blade Runner. Blade, not Blade, Blade Runner. Just Blade. With, uh, yeah. Okay. Blade so Runner he was says, a good movie. <laughs> I saw William Shatner in a segment of the TV show American Sportsman. Now, this has to be old. He says, I don't remember the year it was on, but it must have been around the time Star Trek was becoming popular, the middle to late 60s. Mm-hmm. He was bow hunting for, I think, Grizzly Bear. Wow. And, Ed, I think you are dead right on that because I've, I've read about this. He says, I don't much care for hunting, but I watched it because I'd become a fan of Star Trek. I don't want to upset you, <laughs> but I remember he did bag a bear. Oh. I also remember him asking if it was big enough to make the record of course, books. Of course he said that. Demonstrating his competitive nature. Um, he also provides a link um, that mentions a bow about bow hunting and the guide, whose name is Fred Bear. So I'm hoping that isn't the bear that <laughs> Bill bagged. bagged. Uh, but he says there's a picture of William Shatner in the book. And he doesn't have that. Other priceless photo in the book is of the Fred Bear Sports Club featuring actors William Shatner, Star Trek, Mm -hmm. and James Drury, the Virginian, and astronauts Joe Engel and Walt Cunningham. Wow. Bear taught most of the other astronauts to shoot bows and hunt with them, and a lot of other people, too. One of his broadcasts was carried to the moon and back to honor him. He was a regular on the primetime American Sportsman hosted by Kurt Gowdy, perhaps the most popular Uh sportscaster of his time. Wow, that's so interesting. I wonder, you know, those pictures that we've seen of Bill with his bow on his motorcycle, I wonder if that was done around the same time as him being on that show? There's also a great picture, and I don't think the motorcycle's in it, of Bill shirtless mm-hmm. with the bow and arrow, and in the pose yeah. which really, you know, draws the pecs up. Yeah, and, uh, yeah that is a great so picture. So uh, thank you, Ed, for bringing back those memories. But I, w- I would love to see this. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, well you're going to have to look around. We might um, try our, our source for all things video, Shatner. To see if he's got a copy of it. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. But, um, wow. That's cool. That's Ooh. a great Shatner sighting. I love finding out stuff like that. So Ed <sighs> is, is really rocking with the, the homework, the Shatner sightings, everything. This is great. So the rest of you, you know, you don't want to get left in the dust. We I do, know, I We know. do, uh, you know, grade on a curve. Yeah. And, and um, Ed is, is setting the, the, the standard pretty high. Yeah. And, and I just, I will say once again, speaking of homework, now that we spend all that time in that segment talking about sex toys and men and how to use their vibrators, I think we're still waiting for the rest of that homework. That's right. From you. I'm looking in your direction, deep shave. You. (laughs) And she's pointing. I'm pointing. She's serious. She's got her serious face on. Very serious. Um, I wanted to just bring up something that I read briefly Mm -hmm. this week. Um, It was about... Uh, Scotty's ashes going up into space. Oh, yeah. Remember we had uh-huh. talked about this? And 
this brings, I think this was in Time Magazine, the number of people whose ashes have gone to, into space mm-hmm. uh, to like 57 or something. The cost of doing that for one person is cheaper than the average funeral. For real? For real. Oh, my goodness. And I'm thinking I might have to put that in my when I'm dead. Wow. To shoot me into space. Totally. It's cheaper. That's amazing. Because I, I don't want a funeral. I mean, no. I, I'm not into that, but... Wow. That surprises me. So when they do that, right, do they let them go in space? I mean, they just, like, kick them out the airlock or what? I don't know. But, you know, we should we should find out more about this. We should. It's interesting. I'm just wondering, you know, if that can... And I want all my William Shatner collection burnt up to go with me. <laughs> right, so it was all Me together. and Bill and all our ashes. And, you know, you'd probably have to pay extra because the container would be really big. Really big. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, if that became a thing that a lot of people wanted to do, whether at some point, you know, I don't know the Organians would come and say, hey, stop littering. (laughs) What is all this dirt around Earth? Cut it out. (laughs) Hey, they haven't stopped us so far with all the other crap spewing into the air. If they were going to interfere, they would have done it by now. But human remains, that's that's different. They're ashes. It's not like bodies. I know, but still, uh, maybe there's a difference. You know, metal is okay and kitty litter is not. I don't know. I, and and carbon dioxide and all the other things that you know that we're destroying our atmosphere with well, are okay. I think somebody's going to come after us in the not too distant future and just tell us to cut it out. The space exposition police. The exposition police are going to go. Look, we've been keeping an eye on you. You are not behaving. Stop <laughs> well, it. Remember the time they smacked down Picard and his bunch for warping space? Oh too much? yeah, I know. Well, you know, I thought that was one of the dopiest plot ideas they ever came up with. <laughs> okay, you can't warp so much. <laughs> Well, then they have to be. We don't have a show. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and it's like lost in space. (laughs) And then that was Voyager. See what happens? They warp too much, and look what happened to them. Oh, that's so much fun. Okay, so now I have a little surprise, which I'm going to show to you. We're done with all the the reader stuff now. I think. I think so. Okay, so I want to show you this, um, and I, I hopefully have it queued up enough so that this will work. And I'll we'll, we can talk about it a little bit after we're done um, watching this. So okay, I need so I need you to close your eyes. She's oh, closing my eyes. Again. She's showing me something I haven't seen before. I know, and and um, hopefully it'll work on the computer, and we can see it. And I can adjust the screen as soon as I can get it going. So I'm going to tell you to open your eyes in a second. You're going to look at my computer. Okay. Okay. Um, one second. <laughs> Just a second. And now everybody's going, what the hell is it? Okay, look. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and the music. Look at he is just going. <laughs> Go, Bill. <sighs> I know, I know. Oh. <laughs> look how bored she is. I know. What's wrong with her? She's an idiot. <laughs> there's Tom there's Garrett the at, at the door. door. For those of you who don't know, so there's just this one little bit here. Okay, that's it. That's oh. as much of it as you see. That was the sex scene from Big Bad Mama. Isn't it amazing? Isn't that just the best thing ever? Oh. I was watching in slow motion before you came over. <laughs> having fun without me huh? we, we can watch it again after we take our commercial break um so i had wanted to get this dvd now to to catch people up we have it on video i had bought the video a long time ago and right. we watched it but it's a crappy video so this was the um special remastered roger corman special edition thing that i had wanted to get a long time ago and it came in the mail today 
Does it does Bill do commentary? No, I don't <sighs> think so. But it is very much cleaned up, and the picture looks a lot better. And now that it's on DVD, we can do all the screen capping and everything that we weren't able to do before. Okay. And I hadn't remembered the sex scene as being that good from the last time we well, watched it. That was a crappy video. Ooh. This is oh, this is exciting. So I would really like to be able to do um, a clip of that, but I'm not sure how to do that. Some somehow maybe with QuickTime, I don't know. Or. We can get my camera and film it. We can't get your camera <laughs> filming. I do have, our low tech, I high tech. I thought about that, but um, th- so it's William Shatner naked, totally so naked, so naked. It's so gorgeous with Angie Dickinson also naked, but who cares? Yeah. Um, and he is just doing this amazing job of making love to her. And what I love about it is that he's smiling the whole time. He's so happy. He's the happiest guy in the world. He's and like, you know why he's happy? <laughs> okay. He's naked. He's naked. The woman's naked. There's sex going on, and it's being filmed. It's being filmed. I know he has got home movies and photos, oh. and oh, so all I can think. And about, I want those burnt and shot into oh. space with me too. <laughs> I was watching that like, wow, I want that. But he's so she's uh, like kind of draped over the. They're on the bed, and there's a big metal footboard to the bed and she's kind of on top like leaning up against it and he's behind her so you can't see um you can see like his hip and you can see a little bit of pubic hair but you know it's strategically placed so you're not seeing his dick but i was just thinking his his heart on must be just poking her right in the ass in that position and she must have had bruises because (laughs) happy bruises happy bruises because it must have just been poking her poking her bam 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 Oh, it's so good. That is that so is good. so phenomenal. And you know, I from what I remember of it, doesn't she during the scene at some point say something like, "You know, the next time we we go on a bank robbery, I wanted." I mean, her mind is obviously somewhere else. Yeah. She's thinking about their I don't think, bank robbing. Career. I don't think she actually says because we were listening to it right oh, there, okay. and she doesn't talk. More. But you know, she's kind of smiling, but then she looks kind of like she's bored, and I'm thinking, "What the hell is wrong with you, William Shatner?" I mean, you know. He's he's there. You know. He's naked. He's like got his hands all over you, and he's delighting in your naked body and looking like the happiest guy in the world because he gets to fuck you. Yeah, isn't that what every woman wants? It's what I want. It's what I want. <laughs> two out of two. <sighs> so I think that that little clip right there should be like a training film for men. <laughs> no, no, because they would be so intimidated. That they they would never be able to approach a woman again, knowing that's what we really want. <laughs> and who can do that? Who's that, Bill? Who? Who could do it? Who? I don't know. <sighs> it should be a secret film passed from woman to woman at our, our our secret meetings that all of us women have. Well, I'm telling you, if we can get that clip, we'll put it up there, and all the women who are listening, you can go and sigh over it and do what you will later on in the privacy of your own bedroom. And for any men who are listening. If you're brave enough, if you have the balls enough to watch this clip. <laughs> and watch it while you're using your, your nitro vibrator. Your nitro, I think it should be called, like, Make Love the William Shatner Way. Oh, 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 God. So that, that made me so happy, that clip. I that, swear to God. That made me really, really that happy, great. too. So I think we should take a musical break and watch it again. Okay. <laughs> We'll be right back. You know what we'll be doing while that music's playing. Space. The final frontier. 
These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Talk to us. We would love to hear from you. Leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Send email, links, and sound files to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook using GarageBand. The Sci-Fi Podcast Network has collected together some of the best science fiction, fantasy, and gaming podcasts out there. The Sci-Fi Podcast Network has a lot of great programming that you might be missing. The goal of this podcast is to showcase some of the great shows available on the network so that you don't miss out on all the fun. Each episode will contain an interview with a TSFPN podcaster and clips from their show. I'll also play some of the fun, funny, and cool clips from some of the other TSFPN shows from this week. To start listening to TSFPN Sci-Fi Access, just visit tsfpn.com. Oh, baby, I'm the perfect man. No use buying you any presents this year, honey. You've got everything. <laughs> uh, it's Boston Legal Time. Yay. And we're going to do this a little bit differently because we had two really interesting episodes to talk about. And we've just watched one, and we're going to talk about it. And then we're going to pause, and we're going to watch the other one, and then come back and talk about that. Because they, they each deserve time of their own right. for talking. So why don't you recap the plot in this one a little bit? Okay, the, this one that we just watched had had three plot lines to it. Um, one was Shirley Schmidt's ex-husband Tom Selleck coming back into her life because he's getting remarried. One because was, Friends isn't on TV anymore, and Tom Selleck needs a job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one was uh, the relationship between Paul and his daughter, who apparently he had thrown out of the house six, seven years ago, whatever, because she was uh, doing very hard drugs and wouldn't quit, and them fighting and then reconciling. And then the third plot line where we are going to dwell is, of Mm -hmm. course, on a case where Alan Shore was defending a man who had killed his wife, who had Alzheimer's. It was an assisted suicide, Mm -hmm. and Denny was second chair on this, so this was... um, this was a plot line that I thought was incredibly well written. It had this great undercurrent of Denny to it, although most of the time he was just observing. Mm-hmm. And there was so much emotional content in what Denny was doing, and he had almost no lines. Mm-hmm. And that is really hard to do without falling over mm-hmm. the line into mugging. Mm-hmm. Well, he was great, and I think the viewer understands what's going on because... As he says jokingly in one of those fourth wall things, I'm tired of my Alzheimer's being a story point. And because everybody who watches the show knows that about him, Mm -hmm. that's where all the context and the resonance comes from in this episode. Right. And what was really interesting to me, and it only struck me on second, second view, or one of the things that was very interesting, was that usually when Alan has a case... 
especially in his summing up, but really almost every time he stands up to talk, he gets some snarky remarks in at the expense of the other side, mm-hmm. the other lawyer, whatever. And there's a little bit of that needling at the beginning before mm-hmm. the trial started. But then there was none of that mm-hmm. through the rest of the trial and certainly not in his summing up. Mm-hmm. And that, his developing relationship with Denny, that sort of underscored that this was not just another case to Alan mm-hmm. because... He, of course, was was thinking of his friend, and there were a couple times where, especially in the summing up at one point, he stopped and he turned around and looked. Now, the strange thing was, to me, it looked like he was looking back at Denny, Mm -hmm. and we did... The camera did shoot Denny and immediately moved to the client. Mm -hmm. Like, he was looking back at the client, but I don't think that's what was... I think think my original interpretation was the intent there. Mm -hmm. I think so. To... uh, to do that, so it it was um, it was amazingly well done, and we learned that Denny and his family had put Denny's father mm-hmm. to death the same way, an assisted suicide with a morphine drip, mm-hmm. and uh, there was just a lot of a lot of emotional impact to this. Yeah, it was, and and. It didn't, for the fact that it was, so there are three plots in this episode, and this plot didn't take up that much screen time. It, it wasn't like, in film time, half the episode. It wasn't even, didn't even feel like it was a third of the episode. It, I, I think they actually gave more screen time to Paul and his daughter. And and maybe even to the, the Shirley and her yeah. ex line. So this was much shorter, but um, much more compressed. Right. It, it had less distance to travel, but every second I felt was, was intense and was very, mm-hmm. very well handled. Um, the, uh, the other thing is at one point, and this is, I believe almost the only time Denny said anything in the courtroom was when the, uh, DA was questioning mm-hmm. their client and saying, sometimes the family does this to put themselves out of their own misery. And mm-hmm. Denny jumps up and says, I object. Mm-hmm. And it, it was really, it was really surprising and startling, mm-hmm. and you could really see how it hit home for Denny. And then later, he tells Alan that he has always wondered if that is mm-hmm. what they did, if, if if they did it more for their own sake than for his father, who at that point had the the mind of a two year old. Mm-hmm. And what re- the the final scene between Alan and Denny, I think, was one of the best written and certainly well played scenes mm-hmm. they've had in a long time because. What really just it just tied the whole thing up in a very very tight little knot and presented the whole story of yes it's about the client yes it's about the morality of assisted suicide but it is also very personal mm-hmm. about Denny is when Alan says to him how did you get the doctor to do it and he says Denny Crane I was the real thing then mm-hmm. and it, it it just it's almost heart stopping. That he knows that he's he's going that mm-hmm. way. It, it was really a, a heartbreaking and very effective yeah. episode. And he says it right at the end. He says, my day is coming soon. Right. And Alan tries to say, well, it's a long way off. But it, it's it's interesting that, that Denny says it and that Alan acknowledges the truth of it. I mean, he doesn't mm-hmm. try to talk him out of it and say, oh, you're being silly or anything like that. He, he doesn't deny it. He just says, well, it's a right. long way off. Yeah, I, I I agree. It was a, it was very powerful, and you could just see him. You could see Denny thinking about it 
this, right. this whole time and feeling how intensely personal this is. And, and it, it's also interesting that um, he also feels what's happening to him is exactly what happened to his father. Yes. You know, which they really haven't dealt with his family at all on the show before, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they've barely mentioned his family aside from his many wives. Right. They haven't talked about it. So this is the very first time he's ever even said anything. Right. So I wonder if there's going to be more to that story. It got me thinking as we were watching it, you know, what kind of a father would Denny Crane have? Yeah. What was his father? If this is the way he is, what was his dad like? Right, right. It's it's just fascinating. (laughs) I liked what you pointed out about Alan acknowledges the truth of that. And I think that's one of the things I'm really enjoying is um, I have been in the position of, of knowing someone very close to me was going to die, not from Alzheimer's, but, you know, was going to die. And one of the things I found, and I think probably most people who, who are in that situation mm-hmm. find it it all crystallizes and comes down to the truth, mm-hmm. not denial. And I'm so glad to see that realistically portrayed. They aren't wallowing in it. They aren't weeping in each other's arms. But that it is there and that they do pause to acknowledge that it's there, mm-hmm. that neither one of us is kidding ourselves. It's it's very well done. Mm-hmm. Now, did you want to talk about that little thing that happened at the very end right after the verdict? Well, should we give it away? Okay, spoiler alert. Here's a spoiler oh, alert. okay, good. So let's, good if, you, if you haven't seen this episode, um, stop listening and come back in a couple of minutes because we're going to give away something that happened. And this was very interesting to me. So the whole um, way that the trial is portrayed is that the husband is extremely upset over this. And, and he's sort of this, um, you know, older, middle-aged guy. And, you know, he's kind of balding and... He just seems totally distraught, but also, as he says, you know, he doesn't want to um, cop a plea because he doesn't feel like he did anything wrong. His wife had really made it very clear that she wanted to die and he wanted to respect her wishes and she was going downhill pretty fast, etc. And they also had some um, supporting testimony from the hired nurse who said, yeah, that was pretty much the way it happened and yeah, I helped him get the morphine drip, but I didn't think he was really going to use it to help her commit suicide. So Alan, through his wonderful oratory, convinces the jury, and the jury lets him off. And I think everybody who's watching is feeling, oh, good, they did the right thing at that point, because all of the arguments that that Alan has been making um, are pretty much, I think, what most people believe. It's like, sure, we want to respect the sanctity of human life, but you also want to respect people's wishes and not let people suffer needlessly when you know what they want for themselves. You know, there's mm-hmm. no point in keeping people alive if they really, really want to die because they have cancer or Alzheimer's, etc. So he makes a really wonderful speech at the end. So the jury acquits and everybody's kind of filing out and we've seen that the, the nurse is there observing. And as the, the defendant um, is saying, thank you, thank you, he gives Denny a big hug and he looks at the nurse, and the nurse looks at him, and it's really clear that they're having an affair, and that he killed his wife so that they could be together, and Alan realizes this, and he is shocked, I mean, totally shell-shocked. The look on his face was priceless. Mm-hmm. I mean, rarely does Alan Shore become, uh, have a loss for words. Right. I mean, you know, <laughs> and he's just standing there like, ah, and he recovers pretty well, and um, after everything is over. He and Denny end up talking about this a little bit. But that was a huge twist. I mean, I didn't see that coming at all. What I thought was, I didn't see it coming either. 
But what I thought was interesting, too, was, yeah, we saw this look, and you're instantly going, oh, my God, he, he, he killed his wife so he could be with the nurse. Yeah. And then when Alan is talking to Denny yeah. about it, he goes, well, did he kill his wife so he could mm-hmm. be with his nurse, or did the fact that he loved this woman make it easier for him to comply with his yeah. wife's wishes? There's still <coughs> a question there. Yeah. But you know what? I didn't know this, but after I'd seen it, you know, I went online, and I was seeing some of the discussion, mm-hmm. and... As we know, this show came out of the practice, mm-hmm. and Alan Shore was brought into pra- the practice as a character in its final season. He was like the new lead, and that's when I started watching it. But I hadn't watched it all those years, but apparently this type of twist was very common oh, really? oh. in the practice. And so a couple people were going, oh, I was just so disappointed to see David <laughs> Kelly going back to his old tricks. And I thought, well, to those of us who haven't seen it before, it's a really it was neat great. trick. And actually, one of my favorite lines in the whole thing, as Alan and Denny are discussing it, and Alan says, we'll never know. And Denny goes, oh, I hate when that happens. <laughs> Which was just so funny and so very Denny at that point. Yes. Yeah. Now, I want because... I just want to talk a little bit about the other two plot lines. Mm-hmm. The, the um, Paul and his daughter thing, I think, was some sort of attempt to, to deepen his character and give him more. And it just didn't it didn't quite sit right mm-hmm. for me. It, it got weepy. It got predictable. Mm. And I found both Paul and his daughter annoying. <laughs> but what was more incredibly annoying was the plot line with Shirley and her ex-husband. And the Played reason- by Tom Selleck. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Are you his agent? You keep plugging it. No, it's because this is one of those, like a little bit with Michael J. Fox, when you're watching this, you Tom Selleck is not that good an actor, and he doesn't like create a role for himself. It's like, oh, look, it's Tom Selleck. <laughs> that's it. You can't ever think of him as anything else but Tom Selleck. Right. So that's why. <laughs> well, in this, this plot line, which was pretty ludicrous on its own without what they did with it, was um, he's remarrying. He asked Shirley to be his best man. And in the course of this, he's going to marry a much, much younger woman who is a, a, a Christian Broadway musical theater nut who's a total airhead. And in the course of this, we learn that he still loves Shirley and that if she would remarry him, he wouldn't marry this girl, blah, blah, blah. But it, the, um, and I know this happens in real weddings, you know, but the bride and the groom sing to each other and <sighs> Shirley's like rolling her eyes and everything. And it would just be a silly, stupid plot line on its own. But to have it wedged into the two series plot lines, one of which was so outstanding, mm-hmm. was almost like insulting. And I understand they wanted to, you know, lighten up a little, but to go to this extreme of broad comedy mm. was jarring. Yeah, I agree. So they did some fantastic stuff in this episode, mm-hmm. and they did some really stupid stuff. But, um,. It, it's definitely, definitely one to to watch carefully and thoughtfully because mm-hmm. I think certainly the plot line with Denny with the Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. just to have him sitting there and see this whole thing being argued mm-hmm. in front of him, mm-hmm. not having him respond except at that one point. Mm-hmm. Incredibly effective writing, incredibly effective acting mm-hmm. to be able to do so much just listening mm-hmm. to other people. Yeah. He's good. He's He's so good. Oh, all right. Um, So we're going to take um, a very short break and play a little appropriate music, I think. And then we're we're going to come back and talk about the next episode that that we're going to watch. So hang on.
So. The big day. The big day. Yeah. And contrary to what we had speculated, Bev was not run over by a truck, <laughs> Edith Keeler style. And they did not go to Las Vegas and have a Star Trek wedding. No, they didn't. And it, it didn't, um, it wasn't like the graduate. Nobody showed up and <laughs> said, Bev! Nope, nope. They, they managed to top all of those. Uh, do you want to... No, I'm going to let you. Well, so here's... This isn't so much a spoiler because it's probably... You, you would know by now if you were well, all interested. Well, they showed it on... The Coming Attractions. The Coming Attractions. Oh. That was the spoiler I accidentally read. Ah. And it was also like the the printed synopsis or something in TV Guide or somewhere, it's you know, so... So, um, Denny Crane and Bev get married and they're having a lovely reception and about three hours into the wedding reception... Um, Denny fucks a waitress in the coat room. <laughs> or he may have fucked the coat. Or he may have fucked the coat, as he says himself <laughs> later on. A Navy Burberry. <laughs> and so, uh, Dev wants, Dev, Bev wants a divorce mm-hmm. for half of Denny's assets, right. which would include his equity in the firm. Yeah. So it's a big, big to do. Yeah, and that was most of the plot in that episode was all of that happening and then how they finally resolved it. Right. Um, so I don't think we need to recount every everything that happens. Um, the interesting thing is that Denny doesn't want to get divorced mm-hmm. despite fucking up the way he did and he knows that he shouldn't have done that. Uh, he really wants to stay married to her because he loves her. He really, really loves her. I also think it was interesting his reasons for fucking the waitress mm-hmm. Which were right before that, at the reception, Bev had told him yeah. that, you know, they're, honey, they're going to honeymoon in Hawaii, but she told him that he, she wanted them to live there permanently. Mm-hmm. She wanted him to leave the firm and live there permanently. And he got this, this wonderful look on his face like, maybe I don't know who you are. You know, yeah. maybe I've, I've made mm-hmm. a mistake here. And then the waitress, it was wonderful, <laughs> comes up to him with the tray of champagne and using the line Bev had used, says, Nice night, mm-hmm. and it's like he lights up, oh. and off they go. Takes off right after her. He did a lot of acting with his face in this episode, and mm-hmm. oh, it was so good. It was really, yes. really good. And where it was really evident, I think, was in that last scene with Bev when he outlined how they were going to settle because mm-hmm. there was some real kirkish yeah. sexuality yeah. charm and hotness mm-hmm. going on there absolutely there was a star trek joke yes which was pretty funny when when she is suggesting to him that they buy a house in hawaii and he says i didn't know we were going to get a second home there and she says well it could be our first home and he says well what do you expect me to do beam to boston for work every morning <laughs> that was good that was very good it was good so I thought the, the the scene with the two of them at the end, yeah, it was extremely well played. And mm-hmm. he is, the way he portrays Denny is as, as open and honest as Denny ever is about anything. And what really impressed me about his performance in this episode, par- part of the plot about it is that everybody's worried that his Alzheimer's is getting worse and that the reason that he fucked a waitress at the reception and that he's being so stubborn about not wanting to divorce her and everything is because he's really losing it. But I think in the end... He he is so sharp yep. about everything. When he finally makes the decision that he's going to use the leverage that he has to make her settle, from the moment that he makes it, he's totally in control. He is. Yeah. So in control of everything. And he knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows exactly what he's going to say and what other people are going to say. He just has it all 
completely in the palm of his hand. It's great. It's just wonderful to see him do that. Yep. He, he he was excellent. And what was really nice was he really wanted to, to use the leverage to make her stay with him, yeah. not to make her settle for divorce. Yeah. But, you know, they finally did go for this. But I have to tell you, I think what we learned about Denny through this arc and what we saw when he was with her and how good Joanna Cassidy was in this role, I would not be surprised if Bev came back into his life, maybe for a two-episode, three-episode mm-hmm. thing in the next season, mm-hmm. maybe she comes back because she needs legal help. You know, I'm not saying I, I think they'll get together, but I think there's there was just too much good stuff there yeah. to just completely let it go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and he was uh, so affected w- when she finally leaves. Yeah. And, and it was, again, he did a very good acting thing where... Um, they've all been in this conference room and it's all been done and everybody files out of the room and he has this funny little exchange with Brad. (laughs) (laughs) Very funny. Very funny. And then he's alone in the room and he sort of very Kirk-like kind of puts his head down and rubs his forehead Mm -hmm. like, okay, I've just dealt with all that, you know, that was, that wore me out. And and you can just see him relaxing and coming down a little bit from having managed everything so carefully just in the way Kirk always did. And yep. I think he used that gesture as Kirk many times. He did. He after did. that. Oh, it was good. Yeah, there were some nice little little Kirkisms here without them being it wasn't blatant a, or yeah, forced. Yeah, yeah. Nothing nothing like that. Yeah. And then of course at the end of the episode Jeez. So now Bev is gone. Alan talks a little bit about his marriage, which is interesting. We had mentioned um, previously that he had said for the first time, I think three or four episodes of Boston Legal ago, that he had been married, which we'd never knew. And he talked a little bit about that. And he moves in with Denny. (laughs) So there are a couple now, I guess. It 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 was very strange. It was like, hmm, well, now you're divorced. Can I move in with you? I mean, it was like that blatant. It was very. It was. It was. And Denny says, uh, he's just musing and he says, I think the reason I keep getting remarried is just so that I can have someone new to listen to my stories. And Alan says, yes. And clearly he's like, yeah, and that would be me. Yeah. <laughs> I also, I, I just found that I, that's a wonderful statement to have someone to listen to your oh, stories. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because when you've been married a substantial amount of time, as, you know, I've been married. 20 years or so, lost count. I can never remember the day even. But um, there are times when you're just thinking, oh, if he tells that story again. And I know I do the same thing to him. I catch myself telling him stories. I've told him over and over again. And as long as he's polite enough to not say, you've told me that a thousand times, I can't say it to uh-huh. him either. Of course. Well, that's the, the contract of the marriage, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's sort of the implied and the yeah. better for worse, yep. boring or interesting part. <laughs> I agree. But... um. <sighs> Yeah, interesting, fun, fun episode. So, so now Denny and Alan are living together. <laughs> somehow, apparently, somehow, and like it's such a flimsy reason. Well, they're doing renovations at my hotel. First of all, I didn't realize Alan was living in a hotel. Neither did I. But they're doing renovations, so can I move in with you? Well, why don't you move to another hotel? Yeah. You know, <laughs> any excuse. Any, any excuse, excuse just to get them together. Where is this going? I am and and I love as, as you observed at the very end when they're having this discussion and Alan says this and the look that he gives to Denny. You you just said Alan is so in love with Denny <laughs> and he 
Yes. Well, the thing is, it's right after Denny says, you know, the line about to have someone yeah. to listen to my stories again. Someone with that adoring look in her eyes. Yeah. And, and Alan turns this look on him. It's like, and it always reminded me of the look Nancy Reagan had whenever Ron was speaking, you know, just... Wow. So that was great. Yes. That was really good. Now, I did want to mention one thing uh, that I thought was really nice, and that is a scene when Shirley Schmidt comes into Alan's office to try to convince Alan to um, talk Denny into fixing everything and settling with Bev. So she walks into his office, and he says, um, Shirley, you want something from me? She says, yes. And he says, um, I'm guessing it's sex. I'm guessing it's sex. Let me take my coat off. <laughs> Which is very funny. And she makes some smart comeback to him. But i they've done this before, and I'm really glad they're doing it, that Alan's point of view is that Shirley is still um, sexually appealing to him. Mm-hmm. Because he wouldn't say that otherwise. Right. He would never say it to mock her. Because mm-hmm. I don't think that's the kind of person that he is. No. And... You know, she's a lot older than him. She still looks great and everything. And for him to have that kind of sexual banter with her in a semi-serious way, I think is awesome. Yes. Because I just don't think you see that very much on television. And it's it's not just just her. He is not dismissive of older women. No, not at all. Because that conversation at the very beginning of the episode when Jenny right. is saying, <laughs> you know, I'm marrying Bev and Alan says, the girl of your recent dreams. <laughs> and he says, well... You're my best friend. You can dream about her, too. Yeah. And Alan says, you're generous to a fault. He, he doesn't say, well, I wouldn't, you know, dream course, about that no. old bag. And there's there's no implication of that, yeah. you know. And although there's no sexual aspect to his relationship with Betty White, he does not dismiss older people for being old. That's right. And I think it's great. Yeah. I love that. I love that he's like that and that he would, he would expect an older woman to, to respond to and to participate in that kind of exchange and not view an older woman as, as gender neutral just because she's older. Right. Which is the way older women are generally treated. Mm-hmm. Either sex doesn't exist or it's a it's a parody. Right. You know, like some sex-crazed, dippy older woman. Right, right. That's pretty much all you ever see. So I love that. I mm-hmm. love the fact. And then in the coming attractions, I mean, that that's what kind of brought it home to me. <laughs> in the coming attractions for the next show... There's apparently going to be some kind of plot with Shirley um, trying to maybe stop someone from publishing pictures of her, I guess. Is nude photos. Noted, nude photos of her. And she's telling this to Alan. And Alan says, I am so glad that I came into work today. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it was just like, that is so good that yes. they do that. That he's just so thrilled and pleased that he's going to be able to see these nude pictures of his boss. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> just celebrate. I love my job. I love my job. So I, I just, I love that, and I wish that there would be more of that on TV. And um, yes, older women should be treated as the sexy people that they mm-hmm. are. Yeah. Um, while we're on that topic, sort of talking about Boston Legal, yes. I don't think we've talked about this on the show. I mean, we kind of have, but the latest development we we have said, right. um, you know, the characters on this, and the interesting characters are the older ones being played by these mm-hmm. these actors who who know what they're doing. And that the, the younger characters just really do not work very well. And now we find out that they have gotten rid of the Hobbit mm-hmm. and the woman who we saw in one episode and has been in the credits ever since. Right, but never in the actual episode. Right, but yeah. she was also supposed to be a, a first-year um, yeah. associate. 
So they've gotten rid of them and apparently are focusing on the 35 and up crowd. And 35 is like about the youngest, and that would be yeah. Denise. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Although I was kind of having fun having the Hobbit to kick around. Yeah, so yeah. Um, he was good for that. <laughs> and, you know, it's true. Bill had some fun scenes, sort of kicking him around uh-huh. too. So that was interesting. Also, I want to mention to our listeners what I had already told you. When I was in, I think my dentist's office, I was reading a magazine, House Beautiful, and there in House Beautiful was a picture of what looked like that weird patio furniture Ooh, from Boston Legal. Wow. And uh, I sent you an email about it, and it's a good thing I did because I can't remember anything. But it was designed by this guy who apparently is a big fucking Oh, yeah, deal. I recognized his name, Philippe Stark. Oh, yeah, okay. He's he, like a guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I went online looking for pictures of it to, to prove this, but I couldn't find any pictures. But anyway... <laughs> Just because we've talked about that weird lawn furniture, apparently yeah. it's not weird, it's stylish. It's stylish, I'm sure it's cutting edge. And well, it's exactly what Denny would have. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, we should try to find some pictures of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, track it down and see how much it costs. Not that I'd want to have something like that in my house, but... <laughs> it sure looked an awful lot like it, and it was, it, it was in House Beautiful. It I was so surprised. Was. Um, I wanted to read um, just this little bit from an interview with um, Renee, who was interviewed by TV Guide, because you sent it to me, and I just liked what he had to say. So um, they were talking with him about playing this character. Obviously, they're trying to build his character a little bit by Mm -hmm. introducing this daughter and everything. Um, So the TV Guide question was, do you and Shatner share sci-fi convention war stories? And he says, to a degree, I've got to tell you, one of the great joys is Shatner. I just adore the man. If you had asked me five years ago, his reputation as a diva had preceded him and not to his best advantage. But then I started to meet him at conventions and I was completely charmed by him. One of the wonderful things about Bill is how interested he is in other people. He asks questions as if he's Larry King. He has this insatiable curiosity about people, whether it's the grip or a craft services guy or a makeup person. I love that. Yes. I just love that kind of observation from... A fellow, a fellow thespian. thespian. Yes, exactly. So that that was awfully nice. Um, I think I had. Oh gosh, where did I read this? I don't know. A, a quote from some famous person that I could probably look up, but I'm not going to. Okay. About you know one of the ways that you truly charm people is by being interested in them, mm-hmm. and I think that that's a huge part of of his charm and hotness is that when he's with other people, he really is curious about them and he wants to know stuff and it's not he's not just putting it on right he really does want to know and and that's when you get that focus of intensity from him on you that like he really wants to know about you mm-hmm. that's so so hot yes. <laughs> Well, and I know that some people have have said, you know, that's like, as you say, the the key to making people like you. But it's also a big seduction thing when they go into, what do women want? I don't know what women want. What do they want? Listen to them. Yeah. Listen to them. Mm -hmm. Listen to what they say. Because... In this, in this man-woman thing where we still have a lot of inequality and a lot of very different expectations, mm-hmm. a lot of men simply do not listen. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll ask you questions when you're dating or whatever. What's your job? What do you mm-hmm. do? What's that like? And they do not hear a thing mm-hmm. you say. I have had that experience. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I swear, you know, we really have to write this book. Make love the William Shatner way. <laughs> Pretty much. 
Because I think, you know, all of this wisdom from William Shatner, yeah. it, it just needs to be codified. It does. It really does. It does. <laughs> and the butt girls are the ones to do we, it. We are so the girls to do it because we know. We understand, Bill. Okay, um, let's take another break, and then we're going to come back with some bad fan fiction because I so want to read that bad fan fiction. Okay, I didn't know what was going to be the next segment. Now I'm ready. service. <laughs> a dramatic reading from Lena Taylor. Do you want to talk about this first? Yeah, I'll tell okay. you a little bit about it. Um, this is a, a bit of fanfic that I ran across and went, hmm, <laughs> somebody needs to pay attention here. But um, just the circumstances, a, a person posted this and, and wanted other people to join in and continue it. But they set up so many rules for what you had to do that no one would participate. So after Lena has read this, I want to tell you how the the rest of the story developed. Um, So this doesn't have a title. It's just a fragment, the beginning of a story. But what I I want to mention is that when J.K. sent it to me, her subject heading on the email was dramatic typing and lots of arm motions. (laughs) So I'm going to read this. Captain's personal log, star date 5379.2. Um, we have just finished uh, a grueling mission which uh, has claimed the lives of um, two of my crewmen. The entire crew has been worn out and drained from the past few days of duty. I have requested from Starfleet and was granted a two-week furlough for my entire crew. We are now en route to Starbase 11 for R&R and ship repairs. Um, Dr. McCoy in particular has been under extra stress, attending to the 14 others who were wounded. He has assured me that they will fully recover. Uh, as for me, um, Kirk out. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it says. Kirk's finger pounded the off switch as he... As he closed his personal log, almost to the point of breaking the switch, in one motion he ran his fingers through his hair and then down his then down to his face while he collapsed back in his seat in his quarters. Taking a long, deep breath, Kirk raised his arms over his head and interlaced his fingers together, cracking his knuckles. Then he slid his hands behind his head, cupping it almost to the point of holding it up. Whew. It's a big sentence. It would be obvious to anyone anyone that is but him, that he too was exhausted. It's not that he didn't know it within himself. It just, it just that each time such a thought came into his mind, he forced it out with the words duty and responsibility. Kirk loathed self-pity, and there was no place for it on his ship or within himself. Immediately, he sat stiffly straight in his chair and abruptly... (laughs) placed his forearms forcefully back onto his desk, folding his hands together with a grip almost tight enough to crush cast rhodinium. I don't know what rhodinium is. 
He paused a moment and stared at the slowly swirling eddies of steam rising form it should be from the barely touched cup of coffee in front of him. Once again, his mind drifted momentarily to his fallen crewman, one he knew mostly by name and his personnel file, but the other he could almost call a friend, but he didn't allow himself to grow too close to much of his crew. That would take the edge off. That would allow a weakness to intrude upon his command duties, and that he could not allow. It might impair his judgment. It might make him hesitate. It might... It... Kirk shook his head, clearing those random thoughts. Then he glanced at his chronometer. It was late. He should have been asleep hours ago. He tried, but he wasn't able to fall asleep. The ship was quiet enough, running along on the simulated nighttime schedule. Perhaps too quiet. He briefly thought of calling McCoy and asking for one of his magic pills, but dismissed that idea, knowing that Bones would want to put him through other tests for fatigue. And what did he need a pill to fall asleep for, anyhow? Neither did he want to disturb McCoy's rest at this time of night. McCoy needed his rest after what he had been through. Sliding his coffee aside, maybe he shouldn't be drinking coffee at this time of night. <laughs> Kirk stood up and went back to bed, determined to will himself to sleep. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just imagining what that could be like. <laughs> sleep, damn you. Maybe he's going to hit himself until he goes into a coma. <laughs> okay, there's only like three more sentences. After all, he had duties to perform tomorrow and needed to get some rest. Duties. His ship. His crew. Responsibilities. Command. Duty. Do. <laughs> Blackness slowly came over him, almost giving him solace. He finally fell asleep. Oh, thank God! <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> that was really funny. I mean, I'm just imagining him willing himself to sleep like he's straining really hard at pushing a heavy object. <laughs> Clenching his teeth, the veins are standing out of his <laughs> Yeah, that'll put you right to sleep, Jim. <laughs> Go to sleep! <laughs> oh, my. Oh. So, this is, it seems like pages and pages and pages of not really setting up anything. Nothing happens. Of, of, and apparently something really interesting did happen before, before this, this. But this isn't the And they're all drained and tired from it. Uh-huh. But now we don't know. So, anyway, do you want to know what does happen? Oh, I do. I, but I just have to tell you guys that where I was doing those dramatic pauses, there were dot, dot, dots. Yeah. The famous dot, dot, dots that we had seen in previous fan mm-hmm. fiction. So, I didn't want to say dot, dot, dot every time, but there's about, oh, 20 instances of dot, dot, dot in that little piece. And I want to point out that the ums and the ers were there, not Lena trying to figure no, out no. what the words were. That's what it says. That's, That's what, what it says. says. And when I, I said it really loud, that was when there was um, caps. All caps. So. So, anyway... When everybody refused to participate in this story that wanted this person wanted others to to pick up on, and he finally wrote something like one sentence that said, "So then Kirk woke up and made it all better." The end. Oh, I like that. That's a good story. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it's like a story a kindergartner would really, make up. Really, really. <laughs> Check cast. Sh- yes, okay. okay. And then the ship blew up and they all died. The end. The end. <laughs> Now can we have cookies? <laughs> really? When we were um, 
when there were a lot of us who were writing different round robins and things like that, that that particular ending and then the ship blew up and they all died (laughs) was the joke ending that people would put on a story when they couldn't actually think of how to end anything. And I love that ending because it pretty much just wraps everything up right there. So no matter where you are in the story, just slide it right in there. It's over. Yeah. Yep. And they all died. In fact, I think that was one of the... um, the end, the alternate endings that they were able to use in that Broadway version of the mystery of Edwin Drood. Oh, really? Yeah, the one that Dickens never finished because yeah, yeah. he died. Oh, yeah. So they had a whole bunch you could choose from, and that was one of them. Oh. That nineteenth um, century England blew up and they all died. <laughs> That's the great. End. I love that. <laughs> but musical, really. <laughs> I'm going to write a real story like that one day, where the ship blows up and they all die. The end. The end. Okay. Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. It might be a very short story. That might have been better than the ending of Enterprise. <laughs> and there was no more space exploration until James T. Kirk came along because he knew how to do it. That's right. It should have just blown up. It would have been better. <laughs> My God. Okay, so that was hilarious. And that, that was your bad fan fiction treat. And please, folks, if you read any really bad fan fiction, send it along to us because we love that sort of stuff. Sometimes. Yeah, well, when it's like this and it's funny. Yeah, when it's bad, funny. If it's just bad and there's... There's plenty of that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, any Vulcan elves, that kind of stuff, we're, we're totally open to that. <laughs> so uh, I think this is the last sort of thing that we wanted to get to. Um, I think we, we talked about superhero names in yes. some previous episodes. And, and what our superhero names were. That's right. Um, and this is an article that appeared pretty recently in the um, the New Jersey Star-Ledger, my hometown paper from when I used to live in New Jersey. And it's an article by um, one of their staff writers called They Had Faces Then. And he wrote it because uh, Darren McGavin and Dennis Weaver just both passed away last week. And he was talking about the fact that they were of a generation of actors who were interesting looking and good actors and had a certain character to them. And they weren't bland like a lot of the people that you see on television these days who are pretty much interchangeable, as we have said many times. But the cool part about this is that um, he talks about other folks who were on TV at the time, so I'll just read this paragraph. Uh, from From its inception, TV was always a much more democratic, generous medium than movies when it came to casting lead roles. It made stars of such untraditional types as Jackie Gleason, Lucille Ball, Desi Arnaz, William Conrad, Andy Griffith, B. Arthur, and Red Fox, to name just a handful of superstar eccentrics. Yes, there was always a demand for trim, square-jawed stars and curvy starlets, and super-intense hunks like the young William Shatner and Robert Conrad. (laughs) I love that. So I think that that should be his superhero name, Super Intense Hunk. That's right. Here he comes, Super Intense Hunk. (laughs) He'll save us. And what was your your thing? He was fighting crime. With the powers of charm and hotness. Exactly. And it's like one from each hand. This is the power, a charm hand, and this is the hotness hand. And those are his superpowers. Those are his superpowers. And we've seen him in action. It's true. So, yeah, that's his, he's super intense hunk. And his personal storyline, his personal lifeline is uh, that while he is fighting crime with charm and hotness, he is also romancing wicked fine woman. An angel of bitch. Yeah, yeah. Those those two great female comic characters. Mm-hmm, that's right. I love that. Yeah, super, super intense, intense hug. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard him described like that before, but, but I love it. It's so appropriate. <laughs> it really, really is the best way to describe him. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so do we have anything else? I don't think so. We haven't had any updates on the Shatner weekend yet. No, but we are going. We're we definitely, are definitely going. going. And, uh, and we're very excited about that. Yeah. 
and I, I think I think that's our news okay, for yeah, today. Okay, yeah, we haven't had a lot of other um, Trek news. So um, we will be back in a week with some more stuff. So until then, um, it's March, so you could vote for us at Podcast Alley if you so chose to do so. We're not, like, looking to be in the top ten or anything. but Yes, we are. Well, it couldn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and we still have those um, Fabu t-shirts over at Cafe Press as well. And, right, and we may have some surprises coming up. Too. Yeah, we're, we're working on a couple of things, definitely. So um, we're going to play, oh, as our outro music today, we have a, a special little treat from our friend in Puerto Rico, David Arroyo, who has um, given us sort of a matching bookend to the lovely introduction that we played last time around with the which salsa we music, love. which we love. So here's a nice little send-off from him on Espanol. <laughs> Gracias por escuchar Mira del culito Con sus chicas calientes LT Y la gatita De la jungla Y hasta la próxima Vida larga Y prosperidad ¡Huepa!